Hello, Dogalos. It is I, Bob Sham, your buddy, your documentary buddy. I'm that guy you talk uh, about documentaries with all the time. Good acquaintances, you know, like he's a really nice guy. And he let you borrow some change for the meter. This is the Documenteers podcast, the show about documentaries where we discuss documentaries. We discuss the things that the documentaries are about with a rotating cast of characters. And on this one, Angela joins me. It is Thanksgiving. And the pickings is slim for Thanksgiving documentaries, but we did find one. The Pilgrims by Ken Burns' little brother, Rick Byrne. Part of the American Experience movies special. And it is about, of course, the Pilgrims, the the super religious uptight dudes that made their way to the so-called New World and settled in Plymouth and uh, was wondering why everyone wasn't doing the same exact things that they were. But they were tough in their own right if they weren't, you know, also insufferable and weird. This is a very educational documentary. You know how these PBS shows at night are. You're either into them or you're not. I personally like this kind of shit sometimes. And it's fun to learn about things. That's kind of what the documenteers is all about. To me, I learned so much. We're not experts. We're learners, just like you are. But we also have opinions. There seem to be a few different versions of this movie out there. I think you can get it on the PBS website. I think you got to sign up or some shit. We saw a two-hour and nine-minute version on Amazon Prime. There's a YouTube version that's like three and a half hours long. Apparently, this thing, we watched a shortened version. Then I saw another that said it was like an hour and 47 minutes. I don't know. Maybe that's just a part. Maybe it's mislabeled. You know how the internet is. But we watched uh, the, the one that is streamable on Amazon Prime. Next week on The Documenteers, Drew joins us, but we are not doing a 30 for 30. We actually may not see another 30 for 30. May not see The Guru of Go until early next year, but we did get out to the theaters. There's a lot of in-theater edition episodes this month. And we watched Free Solo by Ichai Vasarhili and Jimmy Chin. And it's about a dude that, can he do the impossible? He climbs this rock face in Yosemite. El Capitan, he climbs his part with no safety equipment whatsoever. That's right, free solo. He's not attached to a rope. He doesn't have a buddy that he's attached to. No one's ever been able to climb this specific rock free solo. Can he do it? Will he do it? This movie's getting some big critical praise. People are really liking it. And we actually saw it with a dude that likes to climb, and they really liked it too. So it's an interesting film about human determination the sport rock climbing mountain climbing shit like that free solo next week also i want to say i love thanksgiving it's my favorite you've probably heard me say that by now and i just want to wish you a happy thanksgiving uh with this movie angela and i just we just sat down we just watched it we didn't really get note heavy with it we did it in theater style and then we came and recorded right after what better way to hear the the story of the pilgrims the story of thanksgiving through the filter of Bob and Angela. And on that note, let's talk about these uptight-ass pilgrims in The Pilgrims by Rick Burns. Keep on docking. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Abel. Enoch. Noah. Abraham, Sarah, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, being persuaded of them, and embracing them, and confessing that they were both strangers and pilgrims on the earth. movie we just watched I think what a, a movie I, about an hour into this movie you turned to me and you said i feel like you tricked me <laughs> yep this movie does feel like like you're in high school it's the friday before a holiday weekend uh, and your history teacher was like i'm just gonna put this on mm-hmm. you guys shut up and you watch this mm-hmm. and that is the pilgrims by rick burns <laughs> 
I felt tricked because you kept saying how this is our Thanksgiving episode. We're going to do the pilgrims. It's going to be so great and so much fun. But you know what I forget is that I don't like historical documentaries because historical documentaries are the classical music of documentaries. And I can't do classical music. You hate classical music. It makes me fall asleep. Well, that's kind of the idea. By the way, our dog is not digging through the floorboard. (laughs) Maybe you can hear the dog. I don't know. We're letting one of our dogs hang out with us, and he's being a a fucking pain in the ass. Guest star of the episode. Biddy, stop burrowing. Just go to sleep. (laughs) We should give him a few minutes next time to like get comfortable first. Now, you're going to hate on this documentary. I'm not going to be like, this is perfect, this is amazing, but I'm not going to hate on it as much as you. I'm not going to hate on the content of it, but the way it was, I have some criticisms about the way it was shot and the way that it was done and some of the choices that were made. I like that we watched this story. I think it is a part of our history that we only know, like the comic book or coloring book version of. We don't know how things really went down for these people. Yeah. You know, I um, there was a lot of details I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But the outline of the story, when it was all done, I was like, I felt like I kind of knew the outline of all of this. I knew how they relied on the Wampanoag tribe to mm-hmm. survive because they were going through great hardship. Right. And that was kind of what became the story of Thanksgiving. And I know the outline of, like, people moving off and like people coming from other places and doing way better than the Plymouth tribe. And I know about them turning on other tribes. Do they essentially, they didn't, maybe we missed it, but did they eventually turn on the Wampanoag tribe? I don't think that was covered. No. I think because the, the surrounding regions were starting to become settled that the Wampanoag tribe was more pushed out that way because I guess to the pilgrims credit, they were pretty loyal to the Wampanoags. Their relationship with the Wampanoags, there was something towards the end that they said that really surprised me, but we should probably like tell the story of what happened a little bit. That's true. But let's say, now this, let's describe this. Did you know that this was uh, narrated by Oliver Platt? Nuh-uh. You didn't recognize that that was Oliver Platt's voice? No, but I'm going to be real, real with you for a second, and I can't even think of who that is. If you don't know, you don't know. We can move on. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But the big wig, the big guy who basically was leading up the separatist group, and you notice they used certain words. They didn't, um, with the pilgrims, they didn't say pilgrims a lot. I mean, they did say pilgrims a lot, but they also used the word separatists because they wanted to remove themselves from the Church of England. And other colonists, as they came in, were keeping that affiliation. Yeah. But they were, their thing was like, no, we want to be super uptight in our little villages. We barely like hanging with the Wampanoags, but they kind of saved our ass, so we gotta... Puritan. Puritans, yes. And And they were also called immigrants. Whoa. (laughs) I didn't pick up on immigrants as much. I really latched on to Puritans because I like that bit of the story where they kind of start in England at the beginning, or Europe. Where exactly was he? He was a little kid. You don't know that they were in England. I mean, I said England, but then I thought then you looked you at me said, like I was like crazy. Europe. Let me start that over. Please. I mean, I might keep it. <laughs> I literally like that part at the beginning where the guy who ended up being their like leader and governor for a decade. William Bradford. They start when he's a little boy and how as a tiny child, he looked around at his, he got really sick and he started reading the Bible. And then it made him question the church that he was going to and the people that he was around because he didn't feel like they were truly following the Bible. They weren't being pure to the Bible. And so he found a church that didn't seem to, it wasn't like down the street. Like I felt like he was like seeking out these other places. Basically the pilgrims were like, I I believe the monarchy in England was under like a Protestant type rule that Mm -hmm. was connected with the Church of England and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the pilgrims were like, Hmm, this uh, religious, this theocracy thing, it's not uptight enough. We need to make it, we want to do our own uptighter thing, more wound up thing. I just thought it was so interesting that it was this young boy who like sought out that uptight group of people. Like that was what was so surprising to me. I don't feel guilty enough when I come. (laughs) So we need to form our own separate branch. Now, William Bradford is represented by the actor Roger Reese in this. and. 
This is a heavily reenacted. There's so much reenactment, you guys. But the one in which we see more focus on an actor is we see Roger Rees as William Bradford. And he's basically narrating passages that William Bradford had, had written over the years. And he was yeah. involved in this. Eventually, when they would get to that colony, I think he was governing it for 30 Ten, years. Oh. I think they said like Maybe 30 Maybe it was 30 something. years. He ended up in charge eventually, but he's the one who wrote down this history of what happened to the pilgrims. Their whole trip over trying to start how they almost failed so many times. Now, I'm going to, um, in the in, in the interest of just getting through this, sure. I'm going to just, off the top of my head, tell the story of the pilgrims going from England to Holland to America. I'm just going to spitball. I'm going to go right through it. Okay. This kid, uh, <laughs> they formed the pilgrims, and uh, we're going to get a lot of things wrong all episode long. We're I mean, not the kid remember. found the people who ended up being Yeah, he found, he found these uptight people, and then... Uh, things are coming, kind of coming down on them. The royal people were like, yo, you got to go to our churches. You're going to go get fined or maybe go to jail. And then they were like, mm, we're thinking about leaving. And then the 30-year war started, which pitted Protestant groups against Catholic groups. As much as um, the pilgrims weren't too down with the Church of England, they disliked the Catholics even more. And they ended up shitting off to Holland, to Amsterdam, where they worked in factories, not really what they wanted to do. They did play around more with the concepts of separation of church and state in those environments. But the people in Amsterdam, they rolled like blunts thicker than your thumb. And they kind of looked down on them for that. So eventually they were like, you know, we just need to, we, we heard about this new world, Jamestown, right? Let's go to the new world. So eventually they get all their shit together and they fuck off towards the new world. They're not very well equipped. It's very hard on this ship going across the Atlantic Ocean. This one dude, who I forget his name, fell off the ship. I wanted to tell that fart. Can I tell that fart? Go ahead. This guy gets out onto the deck in a storm, and he falls off the ship, but he's able to grab onto a rope. And though he is taken way under the water, he hangs onto that rope, and then the crew members are able to drag him back up on deck. And then this guy is one of the survivors of this whole situation that Bobby is about to finish going through gets married to a woman, has 10 kids, and ends up having something like 2,000, okay, 88 million. grandchildren, and then 2 million like descendants, Yeah, including people such as... Uh, I think they said Chevy Chase was one. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Humphrey Bogart. Joseph Smith. Did they say Lawrence Olivier? Franklin Roosevelt. Osama bin Laden, which no. was... <laughs> I didn't see that coming. They did not say Osama bin Laden, but they did point out that he was... Charles Manson. No... George Bush. And both George Bushes, father and son. They made it a point to say father <laughs> and son. But like, if he's, the, if he's the ancestor of George Bush Sr., why wouldn't he be the ancestor of George Bush Jr.? It's just, it was a very silly moment. But yeah, this guy really fucked <laughs> and formed all of New England, basically. Right. <laughs> so they keep floating on. Shit is hard. People are getting sick. Scurvy is very common because you're not getting a lot of fruit out in that water. Probably eating a lot of salted ass fish. Also, the people on the Mayflower, we forgot. We figured everyone knows what the fucking Mayflower is. The Mayflower. They're not all pilgrims, separatists. Some of them are just like dudes and other, most other, and everyone else is like crew. Yeah, there was this deal that they made. They basically had these backers who helped them acquire this boat and get to the new world. And part of the agreement was they had to take these people. They called them the strangers because they weren't part of the puritan pilgrims they were this other set of dudes separatists and, all the way even in the middle of the Atlantic, yeah they, they called separatists. them the strangers which is <laughs> crazy part of the deal was they had to take these guys with them because the end goal was that they were going to go to this new world where everything was great and worth so much money and they were going to send back goods to england to these benefactors to basically pay their debts for having gotten them there. And so those guys were there to kind of make sure that happened. And I guess to like set up sort of like a trading post, which <laughs> with who, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> so they eventually after, you know, sadness, and there's some treaties signed amongst the crew too, to keep them unified because 
there was almost some mutiny action going on or when people were going to leave they were going to be like we're going to fuck off away from you guys and they had to like basically diplomatically negotiate a treaty to make sure to ensure everyone's survival because did you notice that the pilgrims needed everyone that wasn't them in this weird way they definitely did well and part of it too was because they ended up what is it two two hundred miles north of where they intended to go. So that was part of it. Is these guys were like, we don't know you shit because you didn't take us where you said you were going to take us, and that's when they had to be like, no, let's drop a contract that says we're going to help each other. Yeah. But yeah, they were pretty helpless. Well, but that's the thing too. The rundown was like a hundred and two people. Only half of them were men. Thirty of them were children, and twenty of them were women. And those fifty-ish men, most of them were old. They were not a strapping young group of people that were going to go start a colony in the new world. People at this age during this time, which is like pretty much bringing your 90-year-old grandpa equivalent. Sure. I mean, obviously they weren't probably a lot of them that much older than us, but at the time, you know. But a lot of those people would eventually eat it pretty hard because they would get to that shore and they were like, look, this is where we are. Plymouth Rock. They don't really talk about a rock very much. They didn't. Know. We've seen it, though. It's tiny and weird. and There's no evidence that they fucking stood on that. I know, rock. but we've seen the rock they supposedly stood on, and well, it's small, and who cares? Like It's very seen, unremarkable. And I, I know I've seen the movie The Rock. You're gonna die! Eat that, you fucker! <laughs> about Alcatraz. <laughs> right. But that's a different rock. That's not the one we're talking about. I like movies with The Rock. Well, then you like (laughs) half of all movies being made right now? So when they get to this place, it's like devastated. Because the Wampanoags had a blight, which was probably carried on from other like European colonists. I wondered that too. They just said it was the plague. They didn't say like. Because Jamestown was founded, I think they said something like 10 years before they showed up. And then, of course, there's. Uh, Spanish explorers and settlers all down south as well. So it wasn't like what we know as America today was not totally untouched by colonists. But in this area, it, it kind of was because it was very cold. You know, Jamestown was in Virginia, a little easier to deal with weather-wise than the harsh winters of New England. But they can't put that ship right on land. Mm-mm. So they have to park it and then row goods. And then they have to get out and walk through icy fucking new england waters and a lot of people just fucking got colds from that and died and then at some point they found like a abandoned village and they started some of them started living there and they started trying to build but again winter hit and so the ship then becomes basically a hospital for the sick and a hospice for the dying and so they're trying to take care of their people but literally half of them are dead People are dying left and right. Yeah. And the Wampanoags, they had a, they had a plague. And literally there was one tribesman in this area from this village that survived out of everyone. And to the Wampanoags, it was like, this is a dead village. We don't want to settle this, this village anymore. And the colonists are like, hey, look, there's like an outline of something here. And the Wampanoags are like, are you guys fucking kidding? Like everyone died here. And Europeans are like, well, we're, we're dirty. So we can handle it. We'll take whatever. It's true. To marginalize Native American cultures, they're often called like savages and shit, at least during that time. Yeah. But the Native people, hygiene was a much bigger deal. Oh, yeah. Amongst the Native American tribes than it was European colonists. I mean, everyone smelled like fucking balls if you were from Europe and you come across a, a ship. Everyone stunk like crotch. They, everyone smelled so bad, you, they probably wouldn't even know. If we were thrown in that time, it'd be like everything stinks this fucking sucks you wouldn't want to get near any like european person mm-hmm. because you could smell their like dicks and pussies and stuff mm-hmm. they all smelled like rank dicks and pussies did they smell gross bob yeah is that what you're trying to tell me that they were gross because i don't think i quite understand could you get a little more graphic they're urethras no stop just stop okay stop but yes the native people were much more clean but the wampanoags were having problems yeah and the pilgrims arrive and when they get all as settled as they can be then fucking winter happens and people just are dying and dying and dying and dying and during this winter towards the end of the year they have to make an arrangement with the wampanoag tribes of another area and they send the dude i think they squanto right 
Was it Squanto? That's right. Yes. And they make a deal. It's like, look, you send you send your uh, Wampanoag bro with us. Show us how to like grow corn and shit, and we'll watch each other's backs. We'll make sure no one fucks with you, and you make sure no one fucks with us. That kind of was a little weird to me too. Like they struck that deal to help each other, but then like part of the deal was that he had to stay with them. He also was like a man without a family. You yeah. know, like he didn't have his own. I mean, he had a tribe, a larger tribe, but his community was gone. The Wampanoag tribe despite being native to the area, had just happened to experience great hardship. Yeah. And here comes some Europeans who want to be separate from where they come from, and they are also going through intense hardships. And as much as, like, the whole situation sucks, they kind of realize they need each other because... They had common potential threats from both sides. Yeah, and there were there were other tribes in the area. The Massasauga? I might be saying that wrong. Massachusetts. I'm not saying any name. Massachusetts. If you have noticed. There were other tribes that weren't the Wampanoags. <laughs> Look, we're going to get a lot of this wrong. We're This is an in-theater style, which means we are not taking notes. We just watch it. We're going to get on mic. Sure, sure. It's Thanksgiving. Why do we need to be note slaves? So they start learning how to plant some crops. Like, okay, they get through the winter. They've made this agreement. They're starting to plant crops. They're learning how to, like, make corn. All these kind of things are starting to happen. It's getting a little bit better. But then... They're like, benefactors send this other ship over with some more dudes, none of them Puritans, none of them separatists, yeah. to just like show up, more mouths to feed. They don't bring any supplies at all. They're just there to take back other whatever supplies. goods because the Mayflower eventually fell apart and got sold for like scrap. They'd been living on it and it was just so torn. It was just torn apart. And so nothing ever went back to England. So over in England, they were like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Send all these guys over. The only thing they have to send them is lumber and beaver. Yeah. Skins. Back in England, they're like, where's the gold bars? Where's the flavored blunt wraps? But they're like, no, we just got Not there. piles of beaver skins, which there does end up being like a demand, like beaver skins get hot. It does, but not right away. It's still hard at the beginning because they're not worth much at first. Yeah. And by beavers, we mean vaginas. <laughs> no. You mean, okay, okay, pause. Part of my issue with this documentary was just these like slow moving shots of different things while someone is reading from this book or just like, they also had some experts, right? Like authors and historians and people, but they'll just have these long moving shots. So there's no way that you thought that beavers meant vaginas because there was literally a shot that was probably two minutes long, just moving throughout one entire room over so many beaver skins. Yeah. So many beaver skins. They also have these shots of the ocean, a lot of shots of the ocean, a lot of shots of the land. Cool. A lot of shots of you what used to be the town. You especially hated the shots through out of focus Oh, I was leaves. getting there. There were multiple shots taken from obviously inside of a tree, looking out onto reenactors living their life in this town. And it was literally leaves, blurry, blurry leaves. At one point, blocking least 40% of the screen for so long that I thought I was going to scream. There was also wobbly out of focus shots for weird oh, reasons. Yeah, and not even in moments that made any sense. Like there was this one part where they were talking about death and everything went out of focus and crazy for, again, so long that I started to get angry. This lends it to my theory that Rick Burns is Ken Burns' dope smoking brother. He's trying too hard. Yes, I was thinking about this while watching it. I believe you now. I think that Rick Burns got real fucking high. And he was like, you know what I'm going to do? The fat fucking hog. I'm going to make documentaries. And Ken's over there like, Rick, I'm doing it already. I'm already doing it. And Rick's like, no, no, man. I'm going to make documentaries. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Ken's like, no, okay. What you got to do is you got to slowly pan over old photographs. And Rick's like, nah, <laughs> no, Ken. Nah, bro. He hits a doobie real deep. And he's like. I think these leaves should be way out of focus, man. The part where everything got blurry and there were like skulls because they were talking about having found like a grave at one point when they were exploring the land before they really knew it was up. And it was like blurry and wobbly. I literally thought to myself, am I supposed to be tripping right now? Would that make this more fun? I think here's my, <laughs> I do have a couple of theories. Well, three mm -hmm. as to why we got scenes like this. One is Rick was high as shit. He's trying to be artsy. 
yeah, he's trying to be artsy. When you get high, you get artsy sometimes. <laughs> Two, it, maybe a lot of the blurriness was meant to be some type of metaphor, especially when we saw that stuff when they were dying and we were seeing that stuff. Maybe that yeah. was supposed to mean something like Feeling that. out of control, the sense of... But three, this is a heavily reenacted movie, and a lot of those blurred shots involved plenty of reenactment actors like in the scenes. Maybe it was used in a way to kind of mask uh, too much facial attention on the reenactors, really, so that your brain keeps it in documentary realm instead of like you're watching a, a weird like play or some colonial reenactment or something. Okay, I would buy that if... Half the movie wasn't a close-up on the actor playing... He's the exception. The main guy. He's the exception because it all revolves around William Bradford. So they were were able to use Roger Reese Mm -hmm. uh, as, you know, a focal point to center all this around. True. I guess it's just a matter of opinion on how well it was executed, so... Yeah, I mean, I actually think some of the things could have been way more effective had they been much shorter. Sure. Blur out for a second. Spin something, fine. But like 30 whole seconds of just panning one room while someone talks. You guys, I'm going to be real. I fell asleep a little bit multiple (laughs) times during this documentary. You know, I know you probably felt this was very long. (laughs) It was so long. And we didn't even watch the three and a half hour cut of this Don't, don't. No one watch the three hour cut. If you want to watch it, watch the two hour cut. But well, just like drink some coffee and do it like in the morning or something. This is a PBS documentary. <laughs> you know if this is for you or not. You know. We don't have to This is why you. I know I was tricked because here's the thing. Bobby knows I don't watch things like this. It's not that I don't appreciate what they're doing. It's not that I don't appreciate these stories. But I just can't get into it. I often forget that I'm the w- person in the house that watches this kind of shit. That could watch this shit. I honestly didn't feel like the movie dragged that much to be honest i was kind of in i was super into the story i know i mean it's fine i i hope we disagree harsh because i feel like we don't have a lot too much disagreements on this show it seems like everyone's kind of with everyone on the documentaries and it's it's nice to split we are split (laughs) now let's get back into telling the story let's push into the plymouth okay so where were we they had tried to come back and get more stuff they sent back sort of what England thought was crap. They at one point also, though, sent another ship of men, a lot of like they said strapping young men, to set up a another trading post. (laughs) I mean, with all that beaver around. I mean, they had all that. They had all that beaver. They needed some hunks. Huh? So no, they. They wanted to open a rival trading post because I guess those guys in England were like, those people can't do it. So we're going to send more people to the exact same place and hope that they're successful. That was really dumb to me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, Puritans. Watch this. They actually finally, unless I'm skipping over anything super important, they finally started getting more people over there, like viable groups of people. Yeah. And they started growing and they had a town. And they had a church. Yeah. And they were meeting and they were praying together and they finally felt happy. Our main guy. William Bradford. William Bradford <laughs> was super happy about it. Now the For thing, like a second. The, the <laughs> thing about the separate is it is funny how just completely unhappy William Bradford is. <laughs> he had one minute of going, and this is good. And then things started falling apart again. Well, let's talk for a moment about the, the first Thanksgiving, the story that is Oh, yes, on. yes, yes. There's authors and historians that are speaking throughout this movie, and they provide a, a an interesting angle into how to view Thanksgiving. Yeah. The Wampanoags and the Puritans, they have a dinner together. They take their harvest, and they come together, and it is a peaceful meal during these days. Historically, we make it seem like a big, super friendly, everyone was super lovey-dovey, everyone was putting their arms around each other. Yeah. And uh, singing, like, folk songs by the guitar. Uh, it, by the guitar. It wasn't <laughs> It wasn't really like that. The historians said that you have to understand that they, they saw a certain death and they came out the other side of it. And around this time, they were able to finally control their shit. There, there was still a lot of tragedy, but they were able to find a way to maintain their existence. And so for the, the Thanksgiving represented the first time that they were able to recalibrate, like focus, and maybe even be grateful 
for their existence because Mm -hmm. prior to that, it was just suffering after suffering after suffering. And Thanksgiving really represented a respite. There was one fact that broke my heart. They said that by the time they actually got there, so many people had already died that there were only three surviving couples. Wow. Everyone had lost a husband, a wife, a parent, a child. There was no one who was not grieving. It is pretty amazing when you think about it, how they were down to such small numbers at some point. If a tree fell on church during service time, they could have all just been crushed to death or something. And that would have been the end of the Plymouth tribe. Mm. It's just interesting to think about it like that, but they managed to come through. I think when you're a kid, you think that the pilgrims fucked and created the entire Northeastern United States. Well, some worked very hard for it, but ships were also coming in from all over England, groups that weren't really trying to separate, even though William Bradford would roll up and be like, hey, y'all separating from the Church of England? And they'd be like, no. And they'd be like, oh. Oh, never mind. Oh, William and Br- William Bradford just frowned away back to Plymouth. Well, they get some word that uh, a rival tribe, I don't want to fuck their name up. Massachusetts. They're Massa something. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. But- also rivals of the Wapana tribe. Right. But they do also sometimes trade with other tribes and occasionally the Puritans. And the Puritans get paranoid because there was a big revolt in Jamestown. Tribes there straight up were like, fuck all y'all European dudes. You fucking immigrants coming into my land, taking our jobs, mm-hmm. trying to force your way of life onto us from your fucking European countries. Oh, snap. We're going to fuck you up. So uh, Native Americans tore ass through Jamestown. Well, Plymouth heard about that, and they started getting real shaky, real shit in their pants. They felt tight with the Wampanoags, but there was another tribe that they were a little paranoid of. Massachusetts. And they had heard rumor that this tribe was going to be like, yeah, we need to get these English colonies the fuck out. So this dude named Miles Standish who was a veteran of the 30 years war, Mm -hmm. he and a posse come up, they go to this tribe, pretend like they're going to trade, get these dudes in a building and straight up stab these dudes to death with their own knives, with their own knives and take a boy, a young boy in this tribe and hung him. Mm -hmm. And then they cut off the head of one of the tribesmen, take it back, put it on a stick and uh, show it to everyone. It was there for years. It was at the, Front the pinnacle of their fort. And the Wampanoags apparently were like, oh, these dudes, they roll hard. So if the, that tribe fucks with us, the pilgrims are going to go out. Uh, they did that, but then it was like, oh, but they're on my side. So cool. Keep in mind, the Puritans made a preemptive strike. They struck them based on rumor that they might get fucked with. Yeah, which that's that's what I was talking about earlier when I said it was like so surprising to me. Because the fact that they did that. But then also the fact of the response from the Wampanoag tribe, like that surprised me as well, that they were just like, oh, you've got the head of a native tribesman just up at your gates. Chill. Cool. It seemed gross. Yeah. Decapitating a man for something he might do is gross. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm just with you on this. It's not okay. I think decapitation is not okay. It's not okay. Can you think of any instance where decapitation is okay? Michael Myers. Like cutting Michael Myers' head off. Yeah. Like if someone's going to kill... Okay, if someone's actively trying to kill you, do what you got to do, man. Yeah, yeah. If someone's actively trying to kill you, but these guys were not actively trying to kill them. Colonial Minority Report. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) The thing about the the Puritans, since they were... Or the Separatists, since they wanted uh, religious liberty from their native land of England... When people came into Plymouth and were like, I want to do my own thing religiously too. That's separate from what you guys are doing. The the pilgrims were like, that's cool, man. We get it. We used to be in that position too. No, no, man. I was going to say, what, what were you watching? Because no, they weren't. We want to, it was like separation of church and state. Like we want to be separate from the state and we want to have our own church and you can be a part of our church. Or you're not allowed or in. Or you need to get the fuck out. They don't paint Plymouth as a place that was pleasant to be at for any amount of time. No. They when were living on the bones of dead people. Other areas were being colonized. What became Boston got colonized 
a full ship of people went there and started like thriving out the mm-hmm. gate. I think the first Wahlberg was on that ship. <laughs> and a lot of people spread out the, I think. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was on that one, right? No, that's the Titanic and he died. No, I was thinking of. What? Oh, Tom Cruise. From like The Departed? No, far and away. That- Say it. Say you like my hat. You're not wearing a hat. Say it. That was, I- he was Irish, I think. Wow, we got lost. <laughs> It's late right now. Who the fuck has mentioned Far far Away was one of my favorite movies when I was like 13. (laughs) Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Oh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> so, yeah, they formed Boston, dude. Yeah. Look at this fucking character. <laughs> Go Red Sox. Congratulations on the 2018 World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. Congratulations, Red Sox. But Boston is thriving. And I love this idea that William Bradford is going to these other settlements and be like, hey, brah, you separating? You separating, brah? And they're like, nah, brah. And he like sinks his head down like charlie brown and, and just, just like walks, shuffles back walks home. slowly back to <laughs> what's that song there's like a there's like a charlie brown sad music that they play oh yeah when I'll, he's sad i'll find it <laughs> meanwhile they didn't want to hang out with him because he was like pig pen As more colonists, <laughs> as more colonists were arriving in this area, the agrarian societies, the the agriculture started to to boom. It's funny how the pilgrims they couldn't do shit without the Wampanoags. They couldn't even get to this fucking new world without paying sailors and shit. Yeah, it's so funny how ultimately they were looking for this independence, but they couldn't do it alone. But got pissy when no one, when people didn't act exactly like them. I mean, they were whiny little bitches, really. Yeah. Whiny and then eventually, bitches. maybe because they were whiny little bitches, people started people bailing. started leaving. Yeah. People were like, "Oh, it's like cool over there, and nobody ain't mad at anybody else or dying all the time, and they got food." And William Bradford is all pissy about all the colonies like popping up around him because it's like you no. Know, I wanted my own Pilgrim Saint City. (laughs) It's not fair. We make him seem like a whiner, but he survived some brutal shit. He did survive some brutal shit. But you know what also then? So these people leave. He's still sitting up in Plymouth. And he decides to start writing his memoirs after he stops being the governor after like 30 more years. He also does something that is such a puritanical nerd thing to do. He studies Hebrew to get closer to God. Right. And so he decides that, you know, so many things are changing so quickly in this new world and everybody's scattering. And he doesn't want the history of his people, of his pilgrims, his Puritans to be lost. So he writes this enormously long book. They kind of do this throughout the documentary. This is one of the more interesting things to me as well, where they tell where he veered off of the truth. He left some certain things out. Like one of one of the things was when they were traveling over, his wife died. It's very questionable whether or not she went out on the deck late at night by herself and slipped and fell off the boat or if she committed suicide. He never mentioned she was in the book, I guess, and then just wasn't anymore. There were certain things that happened when they first got to Plymouth, when they were walking around, like things they found and things that they did that he just didn't put in there. Other people told those stories. Typical theocratic bullshit. Boss everyone around and then uh, suppress everything that makes you look bad. Oh, yeah. Rewrite history so you're the victor. Yeah. But, gosh, I think we're kind of near the end. Eventually, William Bradford would pass away, and I guess Plymouth would get swallowed up culturally by the surrounding colonies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get some shit later on, like Salem Witch Trials and shit like that. What was some other settlers who, let's see, there's Tony Quincy, who founded Quincy. Uh, Willie Rainham, who founded Rainham. Uh, there's Westy Bridgewater, who founded West Bridgewater. There's Joey Salem, he founded Salem. Look at this fucking character. Okay, okay. I believed you for half a second. 
And Billy Boston, of course. <laughs> and Archie Wahlberg, they founded Boston. That is historical fact. So he, when he died, <laughs> he left the book to his children. And the and book could have just been completely lost to history. But somehow it got sent back over to England, was just Rev- left on a shelf somewhere. In the Revolutionary War, it apparently disappeared. Right, but it, it they found it in England, and then wherever they found it at, they wanted to like bring it back to America, and, and whoever had it was like, no, you can't bring it back, but you can do a complete handwritten copy and take the handwritten copy back with you, and so they did that. Yeah. But eventually, the real book came back to America. And this this part was super interesting to me. I didn't know about this. The reason why America has such a pilgrim boner is because. That manuscript came back in the 19th century during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. That manuscript came back and suddenly everyone was like all hot about the pilgrims during that time because there was a great debate between uh, North and South over who is the true cradle of modern America. Was it Jamestown in Virginia or was it Plymouth up in Massachusetts? And so there's some debate to that. So when this manuscript shows up and they send a copy back it's a massive deal and then everyone's like yeah pilgrims for life and that's how you know they never really knew the pilgrims because if they had known the pilgrims personally they would have been like uh y'all lame but because so much time had passed they got to turn the pilgrims into what they wanted them to be so it became like pilgrims were like super cool like pilgrims were like the stranger things of uh no. The mid 19th century. They didn't have TV. They just talked about the fucking pilgrims and, and read William Bradford's uh, diary, which was very extensive. And then Abraham Lincoln. Inspired by this, the story of their survival declares at the end of the Civil War a day of great Thanksgiving. And it does connect with the pilgrims, his rationale to do it. But it also just kind of lines up just right with the end of the Civil War. And the, you know, tepid reunification of the country. It's tepid the right word? That sounds Uh, right. Sure. And that's the story of the pilgrims. Very tough but uptight people. Now, Angela, (laughs) we don't rate. You better better soak it in, Angela. The pickings are slim for Thanksgiving documentaries. I don't even know if we'll we'll have one, a a new one. Can we just do the Asylum Witch Trials next year? Is there a, <laughs> I don't know. We'll find one. You mean one. reenact them? No. <laughs> no. There's got to be a documentary about that. Probably another American experience, like a PBS thing. Oh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> I you, love PBS. I support PBS. I am a viewer like you. I have given money to them. I love them. But come on. I like Rick PBS. Burns. Rick Burns. Rick Rick without a K. He's got like that purple fucking hair weed though, man. Got <laughs> that icky icky shit, man. <laughs> Rick. Yo, Rick, get over here, dude. Rick. <laughs> I you- wonder what I wonder what Herzog would think about this documentary. I don't know. I don't know if it would stand out that much for him. No, it wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. I think he'd be looking for something else, but I don't know if he'd hate it. He'd probably have, I could see him having like no real strong opinion on it. Yeah, I guess that's true. But it's interesting that you mentioned Werner Herzog because Angela, we don't rate in a star rating scale. It's some uptight, like tight wound, when they fart, they whistle pilgrims. They would like stars? They like stars because mm. they probably needed them to navigate across the Atlantic. But we only require the Herzog rating scale to navigate. What's going to happen here is you're going to give this one through five Herzogs. Okay. I, I could tell you're excited to do this. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. Then we're going to combine them into a, a strong colony for best out of 10 Herzogs. Angela. Yes. Sir. What did you think of this film? The Pilgrims by Rick Burns. I, again, am glad to know more about this story. I think that it's beneficial to have a documentary like this. I think it was too long. I think it moved very slowly. I think the way it was cut together could have been more exciting. And I don't mean like, I don't know. That's hard to say. But like everything was just very slow. And these people are going through like harrowing times. But it didn't feel harrowing necessarily. Rick Burns, I'm sorry. I don't know if I will be watching another 
of your documentaries. But he has one on uh, blurry leaves. No, oh, God. It's four and a half hours long. Man, maybe to fall asleep to. I am going to say I usually give pretty high scores. So it's a little weird for me. And I feel like this might not even be as low as some other people who felt about it the way I did would give it. But my gut feeling has been a two while we've been talking. Hmm. So you give it to Herzog's. Yeah. I mean, I think it's valuable. He made a movie. But you it's good felt, info. But you felt like you was in a, It's below average. In a high school homeroom class waiting for this. I do. Go. I feel like my teacher didn't want to do a lesson plan that day. <laughs> she put in the pilgrims. By and the I fell room. asleep on my desk. That's what, you know. And you know that teacher's hitting that vape pen and it ain't tobacco. Sure isn't. Miss Bradford, you vape? Miss Bradford. You sure. vape, Miss Bradford? <laughs> I guess a two. I'm going to say two. All right. I'm, you know, as far as like shaky, blurry shots and shit like that, I'm pretty much with you. There's a lot of things that seem like they could have been done better in another way. I kind of liked the Roger Rees as William Bradford thing. It was a little cheesy. I like that he kind of looked like an Aerosmith roadie. The little kid they had play him as a child was super cute in giant wigs, though. They had great 70s power pop haircuts. <laughs> yeah. Their style was pretty tight. A lot of Peter Pan collars. The movie was pretty straightforward as to um, how things really were. It really did feel, it was, we've talked about documentaries that we have said throughout the year that felt like an educational documentary. Yeah. Like that's a style that we've dealt with before and we've lumped certain documentaries into that style to kind of figure out how to rate it. This one is a straight up educational documentary. When we were talking about how it's a high school teacher would show this to a classroom, that's exactly what kind of documentary yeah. this is. The reenactors and everything, I thought that part was fine for the most part. I did not hate the reenactments. I mean, if you're going to do these like historical H or PBS docs, you got to like bring your reenactment game pretty tight. So all that said, I feel like I, I'm going to grade it around the context of what it is. And I'm going to give this a very straight up, what I consider an average. I mean, technically, if you're rating out of five, a technical average is 2.5. Sure. I personally consider average just to highball it, just to make that standard higher, a three. Yeah. That's what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a straight three. It had issues. A lot of the stuff that you brought up, like the shots and stuff, I think that is definitely keeps it far from a four. So I give it three Herzogs. You give it two Herzogs. That combines for five out of ten Herzogs. And that's a straight down the middle fucking documentary. Which it seems appropriate because I feel like this could this could split an audience, you know, or if you just forced a lot of people to watch this. I think there would be people that would be interested in this. There are people who like history, me. And there are other people that just, they're not against it. There's just something, there's just a hundred things they'd probably rather be doing than sitting through this thing. Yeah. And you're one of those people. Yeah. The Pilgrims by Rick Burns. Five out of ten Herzogs. Sorry, Rick. Man, we'll try again. I feel bad because I... This might be the first one that I've been pretty negative about. Rick's probably crying into his fucking bong right now because of what you said about his movie. Rick, I am just a girl with a short attention span. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot... That's the fucking quote of the episode right there. (laughs) Folks, we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we hope you don't have to go to a fucking retail job at like 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving night. We hope you get to stuff yourself full of pumpkin pie and dressing and turkey and cranberry sauce. I I love a homemade cranberry sauce, but we love the canned gelatinous kind. Love canned cranberry sauce. And also, I saw something recently that basically said... Don't feel like you have to spend the holiday with your family if that's not a good place for you to be. And I sort of appreciated that. Like, we're lucky that my family is pretty cool and some of your family comes, too, to our house. And that's a good time. But we also have friends who come over. Just, like, do something that makes you happy. If you're not into the whole, like, holiday thing, if you're not into, like, visiting your family, like, if you would rather go to the movies, like, I can do that all day. Yeah, make people who work at movie theaters miss out on their families. I know, I know. I don't mean that either. But that's what we did on Christmas one year. Wasn't that a great Christmas? It was. We went to the movies and we ate Chinese food. Oh, that was a good time. Yep. Well, look, folks. Uh, for all of our international listeners. Hi. Happy Harvest Day. Yeah. Happy Harvest Day. Uh, we call it Thanksgiving here, but 
we're sure your families mean a lot to you too. And we hope that around sometime around this vicinity of this time of year that you get to eat a nice dinner with them. And for everyone here in the U.S. I thought you were going to say namaste. <laughs> namaste. <laughs> we hope you have a peaceful and happy Thanksgiving. We love you. Aww. We and, do. And, th- and we want to give thanks to the people who listen to our show because we are very grateful for those Yeah, people. thank you so much. This is really cool. We want to give thanks to you for following us on Instagram or, or our Facebook fan page. Facebook is so not cool right now. You guys listen. Facebook's not cool. But if you're on Facebook and you haven't liked the Documenteers page, what are you doing? Here's the thing. This is a rule that we've stated on past episodes. If you have a Facebook page, then you must like the Documenteers Facebook fan page. If you have a Facebook page, but you don't want to do that, you have to deactivate your Facebook account. If I deactivate my Facebook account, does that mean I don't have to run the Facebook fan page anymore? (laughs) (laughs) You want to just dump it? Listen, I feel like, okay, if you're listening and you follow us, I appreciate you too. But I will say that I feel like most of the followers on that page are people that I specifically asked and they just like me. (laughs) (laughs) And I like you guys too, but like. You know what? We're here to do the podcast. We want to do it in the way we want to do it. We've got a fucking uh, website just around the corner. We got an Instagram. If you don't want to do that fucking fan page shit anymore. Don't worry about it. Like, who fucking cares? Let's just do this the way we want to do it. Hell yeah. I mean, we're not a huge podcast, but I've noticed that when people do listen to us, they stick around. Every week, we're a little bit bigger than the week before. And Thank you for that. Yeah. So, like, in time, it'll be fine. We do it our way. We do want to get to a point where we have merchandise and stuff, and I'm confident we will get to that point. Yeah. And people do ask us about it, and... I'm getting a button maker, you guys. And I promise it will happen one day. All I can say to our listeners is keep listening and recommend us to people you know who appreciate film and documentaries. I've said it before. I'll say it again because it's my favorite holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful to you. And honey, I love you. I love you too. Thank you for sitting through this (laughs) with me. You're welcome. And uh, we'll have plenty of time to to plan next year's Thanksgiving-themed documentary. I'll let you pick it this time. Ooh, you guys. All right, folks. Go get stuffed. Keep on docking. He's going to be a little dick tonight. I closed the door. Bobby is going to fuss at the doggos. I mean, just kidding. Let him come in so he'll be quiet. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here, I'll hold you. But you have to come to me. Can't growl at you, you shit bag. <laughs> Biddy is recording this podcast with us. This is Little Bit, our shit Sue. Say hi. <laughs> I was going to say, make him growl into the microphone. All I did was have to hug him, and he growled. So it was so easy. I did not hurt him, you guys. I just hugged him. And he growled. (laughs) This is what a kiss sounds like. A little softer. (laughs) He's not quite as angry about kisses as he is about hugs. (laughs) Make him growl again.